Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. So today we want to welcome a great family, uh, Andy and Anwen. Do you want to stand up? Now's your chance. Stand up and let's give these guys a great big Geordie welcome. Good morning. I'll just give you that. Oh, so uh, we've been praying about what to share with you this weekend, and um, some of you will have heard uh, some of the teaching yesterday, but um, we really had a strong picture when we were praying for you as a church a few weeks ago. We saw um, Jesus restore your crowns. And um, there was a sense in which, um, for whatever reason, and I think there were many, um, the crowns were to the side. And we saw Jesus come and place them back on your head. Um, the, si- the, the, the crown is a picture of authority. Uh, it's a picture of your identity. And so um, this morning, I've had this thing that I've wanted to share with you probably since that day that we prayed, and honestly, it feels like a pregnancy. Um, I can't write my sermon out in full for you. I can't fully know yet what it is Holy Spirit wants to share with you, because it just feels like this, oh, in here. So, um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us hearts to hear what you want to say to us this morning. Lord, I pray that any words that are of mine would fall to the ground. And God, I want to pray that your words would be what we hear. I pray you'd give us soft hearts to hear your words of truth, your words of life. Amen. So um, there's three things this morning that I feel like the Father wants to share with you, remind you of. This is an incredible church. And Andy and I, um, through 15 years of of ministry in different places, have visited lots of churches, and we've been in lots of places of lots of different denominations. This is an incredible church. And um, there's not many places that we go where when we walk in, the first time we come in and the worship starts, we feel like we're at home. But this is one of those places, and there's something about this place that has an incredible openness to God. There is something in this family of a hunger that I rarely see. And you are amazing at honoring, can I just say. You are amazing at honoring both Jesus and others that come into this family. The first thing that I wanted to say to you this morning that I felt was like heavy on my heart was that you have called to be a community that believes in Jesus. And that again sounds like an obvious statement, but it really isn't. When the crowds were following after Jesus, they came to him and they said to him, what does it mean to do the will of God? And Jesus said this, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he sent. I heard someone say recently 
If Bill Gates was your best friend, someone that you'd known for all of your life, this multi-billionaire with basically so much resource, he can do anything. If he was your best friend, imagine what you could achieve because he loves you so that he would give you anything. But you have Jesus. You have the creator of all eternity as your best mate. You have the one who is the author of life. You have the one who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And our call, your call, is to believe in him. And I think one of the biggest battles that we face right now in these times is believing in who Jesus truly is. One of the biggest battles you will face in your faith journey is truly believing, not at the times when it's good, but at the times when it's hard, about who Jesus is. Believing, that word in the Greek, is pisteo. It doesn't mean knowing stuff in your head. It doesn't mean you've been a Christian for 40 years and you've come to church every Sunday. It means that you know in your knower, deep in here, and you step out into that place. Pisteo is step out in faith. It means that your life reflects a reality that is different to the reality of the world. It means you know him so that when he whispers to you, you follow that whisper and your life reflects it. The biggest opposition, the biggest obstacle I have faced in my life radically stepping out in faith is fear. Fear is in opposition to faith. Fear is believing in the enemy, in believing in negative things happening. It's about believing in the worst. It's about catastrophizing. It's about the what if that haunts you. It's like this kind of constant nagging river that runs underneath you and it robs you from believing and stepping out into all that God has for you. Faith is spelt risk. R-A-S-K, I've heard someone say that before. And we love those sayings, don't we? You know, they go on our fridge, they go on the back of our car, that kind of thing. But you as a community here are called to have a level of faith that is extraordinary. I, I, don't, I don't feel like this is for another church, this message. This is, a, this is a prophetic message for you. You are called to have extraordinary faith at the bay. But let me tell you what extraordinary faith looks like. It looks like God gives you a prophetic word. And you know him enough to know that when he gives you a prophetic word through a very prophetic person, that you have a choice to obey that or to discard that. Because prophecy is just an invitation. It's, it's not necessarily your reality. You have to choose to line your life with it. And so three years ago, we received a prophetic word that God was opening up a new location for us. And um, we, we said yes to that prophecy, eventually. And we lined our lives up with that and we said, Father, show us what you want to do. And he showed us what he wanted to do and he made it very clear. 
and a door opened up for us in South Carolina. And so we went to our leaders because we were in a team and we had a, a couple above us and we went to them and we said, this was a scary conversation. God's told us to move on from you and we've been offered a job and it's in South Carolina. And um, <clears throat> they blessed us and they believed in it and they saw the prophetic words. And so two months later, we shared that with all our closest people that we've walked with for the last nine years, one by one. One family by one family. Every one of those conversations I dreaded because our community has walked through significant suffering and we've walked that with them and that makes you very close. And so with every one of those conversations, we said to them, we believe this is God and we believe with our hearts and our minds, but we obviously need to wait for the physical resource to happen. So we put our house on the market and we told our church. We did it in the other way around, actually, because that would have been a bit weird, wouldn't it? And um, so we told our church and we put a house on the market. <clears throat> and we um, were in process of applying for visas. And we waited. And we waited. And I had just such a strong sense that we were supposed to be there this summer. And we waited and we waited. And our house was sold, praise God. And we waited some more. And um, our kids have been walking this journey with us. And our son's doing his GCSEs this year, so I felt like a really irresponsible parent compared to what the world would do. <laughs> Extraordinary faith looks like walking in the direction of what God said, no matter what the world says around you. And in this season of stepping out in faith and doing probably the most scary things we've ever done. We're in a position now where we're living in temporary accommodation. Our house completes on Thursday. Our children's school places are no longer there in September in the UK. So we're going to be homeschooling them and we're waiting for a visa. And I have to really be careful who I talk to about that process. Because for me to remain as a woman of radical faith, which is what God has said to me of who I am, I have to pr protect and guard my heart to an extent. We, even people I love very, very dearly who don't get it. You are called to have radical faith in this church. You're also called to persevere. Can you open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts 
by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Forgive me if you've heard this a little bit on Saturday already. I can't remember if it was Saturday or Friday that I shared this, but the day that we, um, uh, we said yes to our last job, the day that we had our interview, our eldest son got poorly and <coughs> we spent two weeks um, in the children's hospital in Sheffield uh, with him very, very poorly with a um, severe um, pneumonia. We recovered, the church were amazing. But um, six months after that, we had a phone call. We had a couple round for dinner, and we had a phone call at 10 o'clock at night to say that the, uh, the daughter of our very good friend, um, who were on holiday in Cornwall, she, was, she just stepped up to be our family's minister. Her four-year-old daughter had had um, a severe brain hemorrhage. And she was airlifted to um, Bristol, and they did surgery on her, and they didn't know for the first six weeks whether she would survive or not. Um, she's called Bethany. Uh, Bethany survived, but she had massive brain trauma. And um, she, all her gross motor skills were um, taken, robbed. So she can't swallow, she can't breathe on her own, she can't speak, she can't move her muscles. Um, she can still communicate with her eyes because her cognitive brain, that part of the brain that still thinks, um, is completely fine. That, that's probably one of the hardest things I've ever walked through with a family. Um, six months after that, we were woken up in the night, or I was woken up in the night because Andy never woke up, <laughs> um, uh, by a sound. And I thought Ellie was throwing up, so I went in, and it wasn't her. She was fast asleep. And um, I went into my son's room, to Toby's room, and he was having a massive seizure. And um, I knew what to do. I was a trained midwife. I, I dealt with the emergency. We got the ambulance. He went to hospital. Um, but over the next three months, those things continued, and the symptoms continued in the day as well as the night, slightly different. But um, we went into the children's for a CT, CT scan to see whether or not he had a brain tumour. He didn't. He was diagnosed with epilepsy. That was probably one of the darkest times in my life. A few months after that, one of our closest friends who we'd been discipling left the church with about 30 people and went to plant somewhere else in a really horrible way. A couple of years ago, our associate minister stood up to be an associate minister and while we were on holiday in Germany, her husband had a massive stroke. Why am I telling you this? Because you're called to be a community that perseveres despite the things that happen on this earth. And, you know, my biggest questions about God have been in the last few years while I've walked through those seasons of watching my friends suffer, watching my child suffer, and saying, God, who are you? But here's the thing. When Jesus came to earth, what he did was he, he inaugurated his kingdom. What he did was he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. He changed all of history when he came. And what he did in his ministry was he demonstrated that with the power of the Holy Spirit. And what he did was he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He brought the outcast into community. He challenged the political and religious systems that were oppressing people. And his kingdom began. 
And when Jesus returns, the full fullness of his kingdom will be our reality. And we know what that looks like because in Revelation it says there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more tears, no more sickness. When he returns, that is our reality. And when we go to heaven, that is our reality. But in this season of transition between when he inaugurated his kingdom and when he comes back again, we live in a place of tension. I've heard people say it's the now and the not yet. I I get what they're saying. That theology helped me for a while, but it doesn't help me now. Because... using the words not yet can dishonor the devastating loss that we feel in this gap. And there is, there is devastating loss sometimes in this gap. And I know you as a church have, have had that happen. So how do we, how do we live in this gap? How do we endure in this gap? How do we persevere? The Greek word persevere means patiently keep going. How do we be steadfast? How do we endure? We have to remember what Jesus told us to do, which was to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It says very clearly in Isaiah that Jesus' kingdom, once inaugurated, just continues to increase. Okay? So even though we face devastating loss, and things that cause us to question and cause us to believe and doubt. And I have to say to you, you need to deal with those things. Because grieving is healthy. Two-thirds of the psalm are lament. They are, God, where were you? God, where are you? God, God, God. You need to do that as a believer. Because if you don't do that, the pain will cause a journey of bitterness. But in this place, in this gap, Jesus said, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He, in this gap, is interceding for you. He's praying for you. When his good friend died, and Martha and Mary were like, where were you? We knew that you could do this. Where were you? And he had faith and knew that he was going to raise Lazarus. He still wept. And I was reading that one day and I was like, Jesus, why did you weep? Because you knew that you were going to raise him. And he said, because I just felt their grief. I felt their grief. And I love them. You know, in this gap, Jesus is very present And the thing about saying the not yet, it almost is like saying he's not there. But he is here. He is here. He is here. And I don't understand. And I can sit with my friends, Alan and Sarah, and their daughter, Bethany. And I do not have the answer for them why. I don't have it. I don't have it. But in the process of pouring out my heart to God in the grief, what I do have is a fresh revelation of his goodness that goes beyond what I thought should happen and what I see. There's an invitation in the gap for connection with the Father. 
is an invitation for a deeper revelation of his love that's mysterious and beyond what our poor theologies try to make do in that gap. We try to make us understand things we can't understand. You're called to persevere. But you're also called to be a community that walks together. Hebrews 10, it says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's the thing. You're called to be a people of incredible faith, but when you're a people of incredible faith, it means you, you step out to do incredible things. And you have many testimonies of where you've seen God come, and you have some stories of where you've seen devastating loss. The temptation is to believe different things about who God is, and to withdraw from one another because it's too painful. But you're called to walk together. Because as you walk together, you have something that that community needs. You have a sense of family, of honor, of love. If Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in community with one another, why do we think that we're too good for it? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in permanent community. I don't think I've ever seen anywhere in Scripture, and maybe you need to show me where I'm wrong, where they went, oh, do you know what? I've had enough now. I'm just going to go and sit in here and be on my own because you two, you're just doing my head in. I, I don't see that. What I see is, and I've seen a, an actual physical picture painted of this from the medieval time, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sat around a table together, bowing their heads to one another in honor, but with a space at the table for you. Here's the thing. They dwell in community, so why do you think you don't need to? In our culture, we have a pervasive, ongoing theme, and it's called radical individualism. And, um, you know, I don't know whether it's the same here, but in Sheffield, I've been really disturbed at some of the things that I've seen on social media. I've been disturbed by people who have pain with the church going and finding any teaching they can find on the internet that basically disses the church. And then posting them as, like, this is the new way. Church is God's plan. Church is his body. He's passionate about you. 
He's passionate about you dwelling in unity together. He's passionate about your relationships with one another. You are part of a body. And you being part of this body doesn't just benefit you, it benefits everyone else here. There's a call on you as a church. And I saw the other night we were in worship and I had this sense of like, who's seen Greatest Showman? Oh my goodness, only a few of you. That's terrible. I've seen it four times. Um, Four times and on the stage when my daughter did it as a show. There's a song in there called This Is Me. Okay, I was a bit shocked when I went to watch it the first time because I didn't realize it was a musical. I was like, oh, I didn't realize this. And um, in this musical, what you have is this group of people who basically um, are brought together by this guy called Barnum who starts the first ever circus. And these people are all the unusual misfits of society. They're all the people that don't fit anywhere. And this song, This Is Me, is about this is who we are, this is who I'll be, and together we're on a mission. And I had this sense of God bringing the broken into this community church here, bringing those who don't fit elsewhere in here, and and making the most beautiful family out of it. See, in your differences and in your quirkiness, Jesus does this amazing thing. He builds family. And I don't think it's family you'd necessarily choose. Sometimes it's not even friends you'd necessarily choose. But he does something by his spirit that's beautiful and remarkable and an incredible witness to your community. It says in Romans 15 that as you endure together, he promotes a spirit of unity. So in your faith and in your perseverance and in your endurance, what is available to you is an incredible sense of unity. And I have to say that over the last few years as I've walked, um, mainly actually with parents that have lost children, I've had three of those happen in our church over the last couple of years. It's been an absolute privilege to walk with people in that place. Because God does something. He does something. And he wants to do that something within you and through you. We're very good at thinking that the race that God has marked out for us is a sprint. And when you watch athletics, what you see with a sprint is everyone has their own lane. And that radical individualism in our culture reinforces to us, because we're not just discipled by Jesus, we are discipled by our culture as well. You only have to travel the world to see what crazy things different people believe about being a Christian. We um, had these Texans come a few years ago, amazing worship leaders, owned a gun shop. You know, that to us is like, what? Different culture. But in our culture, what we see is, right, Jesus says, I'm to run the race that he's marked out for me. And what we see is this line's in front of us and off I go. But what he's calling you to be is on a marathon. 
And when you see the London Marathon, what you see is this incredible sense of unity as these people in this race are actually running slower than they probably would normally in order to run together. And you see them in these crazy outfits and in this crazy heat this year, and they are running en masse together. That is the race he's called out for you, church. You're called to be a people of incredible faith. You're called to be a people who persevere patiently for the glory of God. And you're called to be a people who walk it out together. So this morning we want to do some ministry. Because this is what I've noticed I've noticed in charismatic evangelical churches that we're really, really bad at dealing with pain. Allowing pain, allowing grieving, allowing lamenting. Um, We don't know what to do with it because it kind of doesn't fit with what we traditionally think is charismatic. But that's such a lie. Charismatic means you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit wants to come and comfort this morning. Jesus said, blessed are you who mourn, because you will be comforted. So um, I'm not going to speak anymore. I want you to stand. Andy, will you come? Nick had this picture this morning about um, Elijah hiding in the cave. And I felt like it really fitted with what God had placed on my heart. So let's just um, close our eyes, just be open to the Holy Spirit. just thank you and honor you for this church father i thank you for their hunger for you thank you for their openness to you thank you for their heritage thank you for what you're doing here god the way that you're building them up the way that you're preparing them for what you're going to give them i just feel like there is a sense in which you just quietly before the Lord just start speaking to him about the things you're aware of in terms of pain. Somebody said to me recently, give God your unedited version. And I think sometimes we're actually afraid to tell God how we really feel because we might offend him. But here's the thing, he's not offendable. (laughs) He's not offendable. We just want to give you our disappointments, Father. And um, in the places where that's caused our crown to be put aside, where we know that we're not walking in who you've called us to be, what you've called us to do. And I just see someone knelt down. I think it's a woman, and I just see her looking at that crown. I'm just thinking, I just can't. I just can't.
And I just saw Jesus come alongside you, put his arm around your shoulders and speak into your ear, it's okay. He's very, very, very patient with us and he's very, very, very kind. As Anwen talked about that picture of the Trinity, I just had that sense for this morning. This is um, the ministry of the Trinity. You know, the thing about God is um, he doesn't wait for you to climb your way up to heaven. He comes to where you are. So actually, uh, we're not even necessarily going to ask you to come forward or anything like that because do you know what? He comes to where you are. But um, I just want to bless you to be open and just to say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm okay for you to come and surround me now. He waits for your welcome as well. He will come to where you are, but he's so gentle. Just let that embrace of the Trinity come to you. You have his ear. Tell him what you think. As Jesus wept, he weeps as he stands with you. We don't have to understand it. Our mind is overrated. It's way beyond our understanding. But there's a grace and a strength that he comes to impart deep within. It is perfect love that casts out fear, where you have been afraid to face some of this stuff or afraid to pick up that crown or afraid to step out. It's just a love deficit. Just say, I need love in that bit. Fill us with that love, Lord. I just want to pray for those who 
know that they're called to radical faith. And I feel like the locusts have uh, eaten away at that place, but um, Holy Spirit wants to give a new deposit today of faith. And I feel like um, actually church environments that you've been have, have lied about that it's like unwise to live like that and irresponsible to live like that and I just feel like Father wants to just just pour out his pleasure over you because um, he's looking for faith on the earth Whoa. he's looking for those who will um, be dependent in, on him entirely because what it manifests is him you know, we're so used to propping ourselves up with so many things, but actually faith is believing in the impossible. You can't make the impossible happen, only he can. So if you know that's you, I just want to welcome you to come. just want to pray for you. Young or old, it doesn't matter. Whoever you are, if you just know that you've called to live in that place of real faith, and you just want it restored afresh, just come. If that's not you, that's totally fine right now. Just keep engaging with Holy Spirit. I read in that passage, it's the Holy Spirit that pours out the Father's love into our hearts. So just keep connecting with him. Keep connecting with his love. We're just going to pray for these guys. Lord, we lay down the disappointments. We lay down the losses. We lay down the things that have hindered us and tripped us up. Caused us to fall on our faces. And we receive afresh, Jesus, you taking hold of our hand. You lifting us up. You standing us up afresh. <laughs> we receive afresh that look of blazing love that is in your eyes towards us. <laughs> that look of joy and delight. <laughs> Let that love invade afresh. We don't actually need much faith. It's just a mustard seed that we need. You know, mountains move with, uh, with just a little bit of faith, actually. What we need is great love. Because great love will not stop at fear. It will push through it and it will go to the places where the little bit of faith is needed and the mountains need to move. And so I pray great love upon you right now. 
Fill your people with the love of heaven afresh, Lord. <laughs> Release that embrace of the Trinity. Come, Holy Spirit. Let the Father, the spirit of adoption, fall afresh upon you. You are the beloved. You are. You are. <laughs> you will never be alone. You will never be alone. And I bless you to hear afresh where the, your hearing has been clouded. You know, faith comes from hearing, the Bible tells us. So I just bless the clarity of hearing the Lord afresh, just picking up the whispers. <laughs> Come, Lord, just let ears, spiritual ears, open up afresh. More love, Lord. More of you. Come more, Lord. There's always more. More. More, Lord. And um, I, I feel like as you pour out more... Um, of your disappointments, of your pain, of those things, as you pour out more, there's more room for him to fill you more. There's a kindness. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to change the way we think. So receive afresh his kindness. And in that place of kindness, just give him the other stuff. As other stuff just comes to your mind of like, oh man, Just give him that. I saw in the, right where you're stood actually, those of you who've come to the front, I saw an enormous whirlpool and um, the cross was right in the middle of it. And it was like a giant um, swirling vacuum cleaner of fire that was sucking out uh, stuff that has been toxins in you stuff that has hindered you, stuff that has uh, blocked you, unbelief and things that have come against you. I, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, by the power of the cross, by the power of the blood of Jesus, for a cleansing of every hindrance for your people, everyone, everyone goes, everyone goes, every confinement. Let it go. Let it be sucked off you right now. <laughs> and where you've been disappointed with yourself, <laughs> you need to let yourself off the hook. Jesus hung on a hook. So you don't need to. So take yourself off the hook. Take yourself off the hook and give him that. Give him that disappointment with yourself. He didn't have the wool pulled over his eyes when he chose you. You haven't surprised him. He knew what he was doing then and he knows what he's doing now.
More, Lord. More, Lord. Every hindrance. And I release a prayer and a cry on behalf of this church and with this church and family with this church. God, show us your glory. Show us your glory. (laughs) Your way. Your way. Not my way. Not my own race. Not my own agenda. Your way. Show us your glory. I saw like a ball and chain around people's feet and it was heavy, it was holding them. And I said to the Lord, what is that? And he said, it's fear of man. And um, it's to do with being able to share the gospel. It's to do with being able to speak out the words of who Jesus is. So I just take authority over that ball and chain right now in the name of Jesus. And I break it off. Because there's people in this place who are called to speak the truth of who Jesus is in this community. And to not be afraid of what people think. And to not be afraid of what people will say. Shut. So, Lord, I just pray you minister your love into their hearts where that has been their experience, where that has been what's happened. And I just pray for a gift of faith, Lord, and an opportunity, even this week, to step out afresh and to be ones that will testify to who you are. We just welcome that baptism of love, Lord. Perfect love that casts out fear. Lord, I pray that you would so fill people with your love that when they look at others, they, they can't be afraid. They, they just love too much. Let that love increase right now, Lord. Radical love. Radical, unfailing love that will stand and endure that will love through the trials, through the difficulties. Fill, fill with that love, Lord. Baptism of love. Baptism means immersed. Just immerse him in that love. I just want to assure you as well, you, you're not going to walk away from the presence of the Trinity. <laughs> He's in you. Because of the covenant that he inaugurated, that he won. Heaven's favor is di- disposed towards you. So I bless you 
to remain. To remain in that love. Remain in that love. And you will bear much fruit. To the Father's glory. Show us your glory, Lord. Sometimes we get really good at listening to people talk and, and hear their testimonies, and it's good stuff. But actually, we spend very little time in comparison in receiving what the Father has for you as a result of that testimony. So the time for the meeting has come to an end, but not the time for us to receive from the Father. So the kids will be coming back in. I'll be tea and coffee at the back. You guys at the front, you're welcome to stay here as long as you want. But actually, as you drink tea and coffee, the Father's love compels you <laughs> to receive from Him. An invitation is there. Even in the drinking of the coffee and eating of the cake, there's an invitation from the Father, even at that moment, as we open our hearts to receive from Him. As you leave this place, the invitation is still extended. As you wake up tomorrow morning, the invitation is still there. Do you get the picture? God's invitation is constant towards you. It's not because you're in a church today. Although this has helped. But it's actually because the Father loves you. And wants to extend his love towards you even more than you know right now. And in the midst of that, he helps us deal with our pain and our suffering. And he helps us rejoice in who we are in him. So as we come to the end of this bit, I speak a blessing over you. And I speak that blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.